How many are happy to be in church? Can I hear an amen? Woo! Come on, slap your neighbor high five and say, I'm so glad you are here this morning. Aren't you glad that you are alive and in church? Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Hold your place there today because I want to talk to you a little bit before I preach on the gospel, a two-part message. We're going through the book of Ephesians. We have started verse by verse, starting in verse 1. We are making our way through. We have come to the part of the gospel. I had to do this in two parts, though. Here's something I want you to think about as I get ready to preach on part two of the gospel today, is how do you choose a plane? So let's imagine you go to the airport with your purchase tickets. How are you going to choose a plane that day at the airport? Are you going to walk around and begin to look at the planes and pick one that maybe is the newest? Are you going to find one that's the prettiest, ladies, the one that's your favorite color? Are you going to look for the biggest fellas? Are you going to look for the one that has the biggest engines? Because that's what you want to be on. Are you going to pick the plane that's the closest to the entrance? Because after all, you don't want to walk very far. Maybe you might get a little bit more specific and pick a plane based on the culture of the pilot. Is he white? Is he or she black, Latino, Middle Eastern, or Asian? Or maybe you may even become more picky and start to look at the passengers, those waiting in line at the different gates, and look for people that look just like you. Maybe you want to be on the plane with the fashionable people, the young people, the rich people, the educated people. Is that how you pick a plane? Do you then go to the companies and start to ask them what movies will be on the plane that are flying that day? And then do you pick out your plane based on your favorite movie? Most of you probably do not pick out a plane like that because it doesn't matter. When you go to the airport with your purchase ticket, they tell you what your plane is, where it's at. They may say something like this, your plane from O'Hare to Dallas is at gate 5. It's flight 2861. That is your plane. When you get there, irregardless of the culture of the pilot, irregardless of the people that are on that plane, irregardless of the movies that will be played on that plane, irregardless of all the people that will fly on that plane, their age, their economic status, their education, regardless of the size, regardless of the color, regardless of the style, and regardless of where the gate is in relationship to the entrance, that is your plane. Now when it comes to picking a church, how do you pick a church? Do you look at the church and say, I want a church that's big. I want a church that's small. I want a church where the pastor looks like me. I want a church where the people I sit next to are educated like me, the culture like me, the age like me. I want to listen to the music in the church. That's the style that I like. I want a church that's within a certain distance from my house. Do you pick a church based on those things? Sadly, today our culture picks churches based on those things. They have good kids programs. They're close to my house. The pastor's a nice person. The people in the church look like my neighbors. And the problem with that is, is we've become judgmental over the wrong things. 
Now, the plane, if you picked it based on the size, the color, the design, would probably nine times out of ten take you to a different destination. So if you went to the airport and picked a plane like you picked a church, you would probably not end up in Dallas. You would probably end up somewhere in Beijing. You would probably end up somewhere in Boise, Idaho. You would then only have yourself to blame as to why now you are at a destination you did not want. And so the thing is, when you read your Bible, the Bible is your ticket, and that ticket tells you what your destination is as a Christian. The destination is set by Jesus. You are to go into all of the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. Therefore, you are to be a disciple that makes disciples. Disciples, by definition, live like Jesus. That means they are a student, a follower of Jesus. The karate kid could do the moves of Mr. Miyagi because he was a disciple of Mr. Miyagi. To say you are a disciple of Mr. Miyagi and not be able to do the crane kick would make you a liar or a bad student. To say you're a disciple of Jesus and not obey his commands makes you a liar or a bad disciple. But some people find themselves at the wrong destination in their Christianity. They're not a disciple. They're not making new disciples. They're not doing the things God asked them to do. And they wonder why. They wonder why their life is still messed up, why they're on the merry-go-round of sin. God, forgive me. I didn't mean to do it, but I kind of feel like doing it again because sin is so fun. But, oh, God, forgive me because I didn't mean to do it. But I kind of did mean to do it because I want to do it again. And, oh, God, forgive me. And they never get free. They never change lives. They've done surveys of American Christians. 80% of Americans say they're Christian, but only 4% have a biblical worldview. That means only 4 out of 100 Christians in America are actually living like Jesus, the right destination. Is it any wonder today that no one in the modern-day church, or I should say only one out of a hundred, is actually making disciples? The other 99% are not winning souls and making disciples. That is truth. It's almost unheard of for people in the pew to go out during the week and actually win souls and make disciples. When I speak to you about winning souls and make disciples, most of you will compare that to a cult. You will say, that's what Jehovah Witnesses do. That's what Mormons do. How I preach is I listen to my pastor, and when my pastor preaches, somehow vicariously it comes to me, and I am now making disciples with him. But you see, we need to change the kind of churches we go to, and the churches need to change what they are doing. Here's what you need to look for in a church. Here's what you need to expect from us. How do we preach and make disciples? How do we equip you and your family to be disciples? How do we preach the gospel and make disciples? How do we equip you to do the same thing? How do we equip you to be a leader? How does the church encourage you and keep you accountable in small groups? 
How does the church serve the community? How does the church teach sound doctrine? How does the church worship God in spirit and in truth? How does the church practice church discipline? Do they actually have a standard to be a part of that church? How do they expect growth inwardly and outwardly from all the people, including the leadership? And how do they stand against sin and righteousness in the community? Now, I want you to listen to me right here. I am not going to mock the churches for the most part, but I am going to give you an illustration, and it will be theatrical. But I want you to understand my heart. You may want to laugh at certain points, but it is more sad to me than comical because most churches I know of do not base their church upon this. But many of you don't even know that. And most of you are wondering why you and your friends have become at different destinations and have not landed in Dallas. And it's because you've picked the wrong preachers to listen to online. You've picked the wrong books to read. And some of you have picked the wrong churches. Now, I want to be very clear. I don't believe Metro Praise International is the only church. But I want to say we're one of few churches that are making disciples. Where 4% of Christians have a Christian worldview, 80% of Christians in this church have a worldview. That means like the Spartans, we brought more soldiers than they did. 80% of our church is involved in discipleship. That means if you're not doing a 101, 201, or an elder or deacon who is now leading it, you are the 20% who's being disobedient to the vision God has given us. But now I want you to listen to what most churches that look like us preach to you, either on Facebook, at their conferences, in their writings, or in their pulpits. You will go to the church. They will pick out a New Testament passage. They will pick out one that has to do with someone being helped and delivered, possibly the man at Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda. He was a man there that was laid there sick. The angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters, and if they could jump into the waters, they would be healed. But this man had been laying there sick, and he had no one to help him. And the preaching will go like this. Some of you are by the pool of Bethesda right now. There is something going on inside of your life. You've got problems, but you can't get your miracle. And there's somebody coming up to you by the name of Jesus. And he's going to ask you today, do you want to get well? If you want to get well, all you have to say to Jesus is put me in the water. But Jesus is going to do one thing better than put you in the water. Jesus is going to ask you right now to get up and walk. Slap three neighbors right now and tell them it's time to get up and walk. You're about ready to get healed. All you have to do is believe God for your miracle. You are sitting there right now thinking to yourself, I cannot do this, but God will do it for you. And everybody amens and shouts and goes, oh, yes. Who preaches like this? Stephen Furtick preaches like this. Who else preaches like this? Carl Lentz preaches like this. Joel Osteen preaches like this. T.D. Jakes preaches like this. Once again, there is truth in that. But here is the point and here is the problem. You are not the man at the pool of Bethesda. Because if you have been received the gospel and you have been saved, you are no longer crippled in Christ. But it doesn't stop there because now if you're at a conference, the next day they will start over again. Even if you were the lost person who was like the man at the pool of Bethesda, they'll start right over again in the next sermon, next week, or the very next day at the conference, now you're Lazarus. 
Does anybody feel dead on the inside right now? You're laying in a grave. Things in your life are starting to stink. But Jesus is coming into your way right now. Tap three people and say, I'm about ready to get changed. Tap three people and say, I'm going to get loosed out of my grave clothes. Now, they may not preach it like that word Pentecostal, but they may slow it down like a Joel Osteen. Well, everybody, you may feel like you're Lazarus. You may feel like you're dead on the inside, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to call you forth. Well, hold on. I thought yesterday I was the sick and busted and disgusted person. How did I go back to being dead old Lazarus again? Oh, but it's not over. There's another message coming. It's the next week coming. It's the next one. And then it's going to sound very similar. Oh, you're the woman with the issue of blood. How many of you have been having problems for 20 plus years? You can relate to losing life through your body. You're losing encouragement everywhere you go. You feel like you're going to give up. Blood is loose from your body and nobody can help you. Everywhere you go, your job, your boss, your money, you only get worse. But Jesus is passing by. Tap your neighbor and say, touch Jesus. Come on, somebody touch Jesus. And yet the problem is, though that may have its place, you don't understand the destination. You think that's good preaching, but you don't understand the destination. In all of those stories, where are you? You're the sick one. You're the dead one. You're the bleeding one. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the gospel does. The gospel does not take you up in the air from O'Hare, do a circle, and land you right back down in O'Hare. The Bible doesn't pick you up. The gospel doesn't pick you up as a sinner, give you some cute things to do on Sunday, and drop you down as as a sinner again. The gospel takes sinners and makes them saints. It takes those who are dead on the inside and makes them alive. It takes those out of relation, uh, out of religion into relationship. And so is it any wonder that so many of you are attracted to that kind of preaching? Is it any wonder our culture calls these the gospel superstars where all they do is pacify you and give you the wrong destination. Because if they can just tell you every week how you're going to make it, how you're going to touch Jesus, how you're going to come out of your grave clothes, how you're finally going to be able to not be sick and tired again, if they can keep you on that teat every week, you will never desire steak. You'll just keep coming for the milk. But how many parents know it's okay to breastfeed for one, two, three years, but you don't want them coming at 10 years old? Come on. You got to teach them how to eat. You got to teach them how to take steak out. Now, you may wonder what this has to do with the message, but if you haven't caught it yet, I'm going to be very clear to you. It has everything to do with the message. In this world, we are like Jesus. I want you to stop seeing yourself as the sick and tired, busted and disgusted person, and I want you to start seeing yourself as Jesus sees you and start to do what Jesus wants you to do. 
Look at 1 John 4, 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. How will I be confident when I face God on judgment day? Because what? In this world, we are like what? In this world, we are like what? Jesus. What did he say? In Matthew chapter 28, 18 and onward, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and onward, look at what he says, all authority. How much authority has been given to him? All authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? So who made disciples first? Jesus. Now he tells them to go do what? Make disciples. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Jesus' great commission. What does he say again in this gospel? Afterward, Jesus appeared to them in different forms. He's about ready to be taken back up to heaven. Start in Mark chapter 16, verse 18. Or rather, verse 16. He said to them, Whoever, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Who was the first one preaching the gospel in the book of Matthew? Jesus. Now what does he tell you to do? Go preach the gospel. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look at your neighbor and say he hasn't even got to the introduction yet. This is just the intro to the intro. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive what? Who had power when they walked this earth? So you will receive power now when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What does the Bible say in John? In this world, you are like Jesus. What does the Bible say in Matthew 28? As he made disciples, now you make disciples. What does it say in Mark 16, 15? As he preached, now you preach. What does it say in Acts 1, 7? As he had power, now you have power. I'm going to start preaching right now. This is how it works. You are the one coming to the dead, Lazarus, in the story. You're the one coming to the world that's dead, saying, get up in Jesus' name. You are the one going to the pool of Bethesda, finding people who are sick and preaching the gospel to them. You are the one passing by the woman with the issue of blood, saying, come on, grab my hand, and I'll take you to Jesus. You now in the story are disciples of Christ. Christian means Christ-like. You now are the Christ-like one in the story. Stop seeing the destination as you sipping on milk and start seeing the destination I'm to be a disciple that makes disciples. You say, Pastor, what if I got problems? Bring them to the problem solver. You ain't dead on the inside anymore like Lazarus. You know how to pray. He said, pray in my name and I will hear you and answer you. You are not an invalid that can't move themselves. The Bible says you will mount up on wings like an eagle. You will walk and not faint. You will run and not grow weary. You are not the one bleeding out, losing all your life. You are the one covered in the blood of Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Religion would want to keep you busted and disgusted so they can keep you in their religious enterprise. Keep having you buy their books and pay money to go to their conferences. Oh, yeah, T.D. Jakes just had a conference. Only $75 to watch it online. More expensive than to watch Tour de France. I got both ads at the same time, and I said, wow, 
you double the price of watching the Tour de France. But nobody thinks anything of it because it's anointed. It's Christian. It makes me feel good. You have forgotten your destination. You picked a plane going nowhere. You better pick the gospel plane. Get on the gospel. Get on the gospel. Now, I have no problem with you liking some of those things. But if that's how you see Christianity, I feel sorry for you. Because you forgot the destination. Oh, the destination is more scandalous than you ever thought it was. The destination will set your whole life on fire. It will change everything about you. You won't be able to remain the same in this destination. You will know that Jesus Christ has come into your life because the gospel is the destination. It's not only something that we talk about. It's something that we live every day. Are you ready in your Bibles? Go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Studying the life of Paul. All of that's on our notes, by the way. But here we go. Studying the life of Paul. Look at how he mentions these things that would all be gospel-related and see if these are the things of your life. Look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, the passage that we're in at this time of the book. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many spiritual blessings? With every spiritual blessing. So am I blind Bartimaeus? I can't see you, God. Son of David, have mercy on me. Am I that blind man? Or am I the one that now sees? Am I that wretched beggar begging for bread? Or am I a son or daughter of a king sitting on the throne of Papa's lap with every spiritual blessing belonging to me? You listen to me, son or daughter of God. Nothing the devil would want more is to get you to go to hell. And if he can't get you to go to hell, he'll have you live like hell on this earth. He'll have you keep thinking you're that blind beggar. He'll have you keep thinking you're that leper in the story. He'll have you keep thinking you are that dead Lazarus. But it's God who lifts you above the natural and puts you into the supernatural and says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ you might say, well, it's easy for you to say, Pastor, I didn't write it. I didn't write this with a tan because I've been enjoying some days off over Fourth of July weekend. This was written by the Apostle Paul from a Roman jail cell with his back laid open from whips and beatings. He said to them, brothers and sisters, praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us. In the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You hear this, you Roman soldier. You may have me locked up here, but my spirit is in heavenly places. Don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your great big God. Tell your problems how big your great big God is. Tell your problems how big God is. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. What's the destination, Paul? So he chose me. Why? So I could be blind Bartimaeus my whole life? So I could always be dead and stinketh like Lazarus in the grave? Why did he choose me, Paul? To be holy and blameless in his sight. He doesn't see me as the dead man. 
He doesn't see me as the stinketh man. He doesn't see me as the bleeding woman. He sees me holy. He sees me blameless. No more blood missing. No more grave clothes. That's the word we preach to sinners. And if you're a sinner here, then that word is for you. But dear God, I'm tired of treating saints like sinners. Who are you? Who are you? Do you believe you are who God said you are? Look at just Ephesians chapter 1. Who is he writing to? Does he say I'm writing to the sinners? He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people. Somebody say holy people. We see in the more older translations like the King James, it says to God's saints, to the saints. Everybody say the saints. The saints who are in Ephesus. In love he predestined us. For what? Did he predestine us to be blind Bartimaeus always trying to feel our way around the world? I don't know where I'm going, God. I stumble over everything in this world. It hurts, God, as I stumble and stub my toe. Blind Bartimaeus, here I am. Help me, help me. No. The Bible says in love he predestined us to adoption, to sonship. My son doesn't walk around my house begging for anything. Are you listening to me? I've lost some weight up here. I forgot to wear a belt and my pants are falling down. Please forgive me. i got to keep pulling them up today. I'm pumped. I am so pumped right now. My child doesn't walk around. Oh, Dad, where's the food? Dad, where am I going to eat today? Dad, where's my clothes? He's a son. He goes into a closet full of clothes. He comes into a kitchen opens up a refrigerator full of food the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want do you believe it is the Lord a good shepherd or is he a bad shepherd are you blindly looking for your crumbs (laughs) Jesus just a crumb Jesus just a crumb that's people on judgment day that's sinners We all come as sinners. I get it, but I'm not a sinner anymore. I was predestined to adoption, to sonship. I am a son of a king in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. I don't have to beg for it. Even the sinner in that sense doesn't have to beg for it. All the sinner has to believe is that God is good and God has a plan for them. That the Father in heaven loves them because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, right? And whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In him we have redemption. Am I waiting for redemption? No, in him right now I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So whatever I don't know, whatever I don't understand, he's so willing to give me. The book of James says, any of you lacks knowledge, uh, any of you lacks wisdom, ask, ask, and God will give you freely, not holding anything against you. So even if the fool today asks for wisdom, God will give it to them. Even if the criminal asks for wisdom today, God will give it to them. How many know even if President Trump asks for wisdom, God will give it to them? Come on. Even if Hillary Clinton asks for wisdom, God will give it to them. Even if our Illinois governors and leaders ask for wisdom not to keep taxing us, God will give it to them. Come on, somebody. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Well, I don't know the will of God. What says he made it known to you? Do you know God? Do you know his words? You know his will. 
which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Oh, yeah, there's a time to come. Well, he'll bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, I'm waiting for the day he comes back, and it is on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? In him you were also chosen, having been predestined. Here we go. According to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. How many of the things of your life is God working out to the conformity to the purpose of his will? How many of the things? Come on, somebody say everything. How many things? Everything is in conformity with his will. You disobey God, you repent, but God will still use your wrong for his right. No excuse to keep doing wrong, but the point is you can't do so much wrong where God can't turn it right. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Here's our passage today, verse 13. Let's read it together. One, two, three. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. How many are saved today? Who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? We've been going through these 14 things just in that passage. The gospel was part two today, so keep up with us online or on the app. Here are the words you just heard in that scripture. Truth, aletheia, means all that corresponds to God's reality. Truth exists because God exists. Gospel, evangelion, is the good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You see, that's the destination. Salvation, once again, is the destination for us, delivered from sin, judgment, and death. How many believe God has taken away your sins? How many believe Jesus won't judge you and send you to hell? How many believe when your body dies, your spirit and soul lives on forever? Amen. That means you are saved. Believe, pistuo. You put your trust in God, you were saved. Paul mentions his gospel other times in the book of Ephesians. I mentioned them as well last week. You can go back there and look at them. But here are the 12 facts about the, de- the gospel. Everybody say, this is my destination. Come on, somebody say it like you mean it. This is my destination. See, number one, Jesus preached the gospel, so you need to preach the gospel. Jesus went around proclaiming the good news, the evangelion of the kingdom, healing how many diseases? Every disease and every sickness. How many? Every. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. How many have compassion on sinners? I have compassion on ISIS today. I pray for them, and I support our military. I have compassion on them. I have compassion upon you today. I love you, but if you step out of line, I'll correct you. Come on, somebody say amen. Correction and discipline is a part of compassion. We won't let you continue to do the wrong thing. If you want to do the wrong thing, there's 10 other churches that will let you do it along with the pastor. Amen? But not here in this church. What's so funny to me is that our church looks casual. We dress casual, but we are more holy inside and outside than guys wearing three-piece suits. You don't believe me, hang around them for a week, come hang around me. You'll see the difference real quick. It's not by what I wear, it's in my heart that makes me holy, and God does it, amen? No credit of my own. I just let God flow, just like water going through a faucet. God, flow through me today in Jesus' name. Pastor, do you make mistakes? I do, but I'll make the right one after I made a wrong decision. That's to repent. Sinners love sin. Saints hate sin. When a saint sins, they repent and turn from it, amen? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the what are few? The what are few? The workers are few. Oh, hold on, everybody, look up at me, please. So you mean this was a problem in Jesus' day? 
You mean he had thousands of people getting free in lotes? He had thousands of people wanting to get the free pizza, turkey dinner, or whatever you're cooking that day, the free fried chicken, as it were. Oh, yeah, Jesus had a lot of people at the feeding of the 5,000, but when it came to not be a consumer but a giver, he had few of those. He only had about 12 people that were willing to put out the meal. Everybody else just wanted to eat the meal. Which one are you? Are you just taking it in? My name is Jimmy, and I'll take all you can give me. Or do you want to go from the cafeteria into the kitchen and start cooking up some stuff with Jesus? Look at your neighbor and say, you weren't meant to stay in the cafeteria. You were meant to get in the kitchen. We'll show you the recipe with the adobo. Come on, we'll show you how we cook it up here. We'll show you how we do it so you can do what Jesus did. Somebody say, be like Jesus. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm here waving my hands going, we got enough people going on the conference plane. We got enough people here paying for the on-demand conference of T.D. Jake's Megafest. We've got enough people sharing the Stephen Furtick video for the 120th time. You're going to make it, you filthy little sinner. We have enough of those. I just want to know how many people are going to meet me on the street with Jesus and preach the gospel. How many people are going to open up their home? and start having Bible studies? How many are going to start praying and leading their co-workers to Jesus? How many are ready to work for the Lord? You say, I don't get prayers answered. Pray this prayer and God will answer it within 30 seconds. Oh, dear Jesus, I've been praying for a new car and I haven't got one of those yet. God, I've been praying for my co-worker to change and that hasn't happened yet, but I'll just try this prayer Oh, God, would you send out laborers into the harvest field? Yes, you. Go now. Prayer answered. Your first prayer just got answered. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Are you listening? Because God is good. Jesus made disciples to live for the gospel. Jesus called the crowd to him in Mark 8, 34. says, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves. I can't keep making it about them. They must take up their cross, not their Rolls Royce, not their next conference, not their next million-dollar check. Though God does want you blessed, but he says, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to live the crucified life. So even if I put a million dollars in your hand, you're not going to make it rain like a sinner would at the club because money won't be your God anymore. You're going to live a crucified life. Jesus had all the treasures in heaven, but he went to the cross for you. Will you give up your treasures on this earth so that someone else can go to heaven? And then he said, come follow me. This is what we're going to do. You're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross. You're going to follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospel, somebody say, and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeits their, their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, look at verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. They ask these guys all the time, T.D. Jakes, Carl Lance, all of these times, all these guys, questions on these interview shows. They're friends with Oprah Winfrey, yet they can never come out and talk about heaven or hell because they're ashamed. You know why? Less book sales. Don't ask me about homosexuality because I got some of them in my choir. I got them coming to my conference. 
Don't ask me about heaven and hell and those who have sex outside of marriage, even the heterosexual ones, according to the Bible, go to hell. But don't ask me about that because I got them in my youth group, teenagers sleeping together. Come on, somebody. They don't love you. Everybody look up at me. They don't love you. Baez don't love you either, people. This world does not love you. Don't love it. It's not going to love you back. Come on. You were hungry. Little Wayne didn't come give you something to eat with that gold he wears around him. He'll rap about it and shame you for it, though. Basically reduce his rap song to this. I'm rich. You're broke. You're a sucker. I'm not. Keep giving me your money so I can pimp you some more. Nothing wrong with being a fan of sports, but just take it like this. I take a bat, hit it with a hit a ball over a fence, you give me money. Go back to work, slave, so I can keep doing this. Work. Earn that ticket so I can do what I do. See, we become slaves to the world. Now, some of you do this without being a slave to Baez. God bless you, because I have stuff I spend money on too. But listen to me. Don't you be no slave of Baez. This is how I think about sports. Baez, you want me to watch you play? Backyard's right here. Come on. Come in my backyard and hit a ball for me, Baez. I'll give you the honor of my time. My time is worth more than you hitting a ball over a fence. I've got five children, and I need to make sure their souls get to heaven. And I've seen plenty of people hit bat, hit balls with bats over the walls that went to hell. You want my time? Come in my backyard and play for free. I'll let you do it. I'll give you some water when you get thirsty. Don't you let sports make you a slave. Don't you let movies make you a slave. Don't you let these entertainers pimp you. Support what you can get behind. Amen? Jesus promised the gospel would be preached in all the world. See, it got tight, but it's right. Listen to music, watch sports, just make sure you ain't their slave. Jesus preached the, said the gospel would be preached to the whole world. He said because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many would grow what? Because of the increase of wickedness, Jesus said the love of most would grow. How are most people's love life today with God, hot or cold? All the people you know wearing crosses today, is their love life hot or cold with Jesus? All the people that you know celebrate Christmas and Easter, is their love life with Jesus hot or is it cold? Jesus said this would be a sign of the end times. What a dichotomy. What an opposite thing. In the early church, if you would have said this to them, they would have laughed because they would have said, why would I want to be cold in my love for Jesus when the moment I confess Jesus, a death wish has been put upon my family and my life? I now can get crucified like him. Why would I want to be fake about this? But all it took was some time to go by. By the time the book of Revelation is written, these people are using Christianity as a trendy thing, as something to be part of the club. And by the time of the 300s, it became the statewide religion, and that's where Roman, do you ever wonder why it said Roman Catholicism and not Greek Catholicism and not Egyptian Catholicism? All those nations are just as pagan as Rome. But why is the capital of the Pope in Rome? Because they took over the Roman Empire through the inside out. Seemed like a great idea to make it religious, but then they turned cold. And all these years later, have we gotten more on fire or more cold? Our culture is so cold today. Preaching like this offends them. 
They don't want to be awoke to the truth. They want to take on social justice issues, but they are pawns of the devil. You see this thing right now in Costco, them walking in with their hands with blood on Facebook, protesting animals being slaughtered, and yet you tell them that we have killed 40 million children in the womb and they will spit on you. They are fools. Animals were made to be eaten. Children were meant to live, but we don't even know the difference anymore. We don't even know the difference between what is meant to be food and what is meant to live. They will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Some people thought once the Cubs won the World Series, it must be the end now. Back to the future was right, only off by a year. It must be the end now. No, this is the end. God is not even waiting for some of you singles to get married and get it on. Though I know you want to get it on before the rapture happens. Trust me, I know the feeling. I felt like I was going to be a bachelor to the rapture. But listen to me, that's not what Jesus is waiting for. What he is waiting for is this gospel to be preached to every people. I got to close out this message. I can't do a part three on it, so just be patient with me now. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and do it. Who was going to go preach this gospel? The disciples, not angels. Did he send Gabriel to start preaching the gospel? Do we have to wait here for Gabriel to come down from heaven? (laughs) He's here now, guys. Let's listen. No, he sent out the disciples. What are you? A disciple, go preach the gospel. Did the disciples obey Jesus, yes or no? Do you know how the disciples died? Every one of them except for John was killed for their faith. Peter was crucified upside down. Thomas was speared. Others of them were skinned alive, fed to wild animals, Thaddeus and so forth. All of the men gave their lives for Jesus. They would rape the women, kill their children, set them on fire in front of the stadiums, feed them to the animals in front of the stadiums, public mockery and shame. But they would get up and preach even more so. Do you know how Timothy, the book of the Bible named Timothy, was a disciple of Paul? Do you know how Timothy died? He went and preached at a pagan festival like we go and preach at Mardi Gras. I've been there 12 years by God's grace. They took him as an old man, beat him in front of everybody, and stoned and killed him at the festival. One day they will hate us at the taste of Chicago for what we do. I've seen some sinners get that mad that if it was legal, they would punch me and kick me if they could. But it's illegal now for them to beat a Christian. Are you listening to me? But it's not illegal in India. It's not illegal in in the Middle East or in North Korea. And you can see the pictures and the videos of what they do to our brothers and sisters. That's why I wear this bracelet to remind me of them. This is what Peter said. He said, brothers, you know that long time ago God made a choice among the Gentiles who might hear my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God said, I want the world to hear the message through them. Disciples preached. Why? Because there was power in the gospel. Is there power in me continuing to tell you what a sorry little sinner you are? No, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. What are you saved from? You're saved from the jail cell of sin. You're saved from the graveside of death. You're saved from the bleeding of your life. You are saved from being busted and gets disgusted. First, for everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel is the righteousness of God. Preaching the gospel is your, God, uh, is your duty as a Christian. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. There are no more priests like they were in the Old Testament. Roman Catholics got it all wrong. The believers are the priests, and what is our job? To offer up animal sacrifices? No, to offer up our lives in service to the gospel. 
That's what we do as priests. I don't need to have a collar and you call me Father Tom to be a priest today. I'm doing my work as a priest now. I'll do it with my neighbor later. I'll do it with my waitress at the, at the dinner. I will do it wherever I go. Are you going to be a priest this week of the gospel? Why don't people always want the gospel? Why is it people run from the gospel? Because if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they, they cannot see the light of the gospel. The devil is fighting against the gospel. False gospels are to be re- rejected. Anything that does not teach the death, burial, and resurrection of the eternal Son of God is to be rejected. Mormons preach a false gospel. Jehovah's Witnesses preach a false gospel. Roman Catholicism teaches a false gospel. You don't need five communion services. Are you listening to me? Muslims teach a false gospel. Any message other than the message of Jesus is a false gospel. That's not being angry. That's being truthful. How many answers are there two plus two? But, how many, but we know it's four, but how many answers are to that question? How many correct ones? But how many wrong ones can there be? As many as there are numbers. Disciples live worthy of the gospel. What should motivate you to live holy? The love of Christ, the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of what? The gospel, strive together for the gospel, husbands and wives. Be a gospel-centered family. Disciples serve together and work with the gospel. But you know, Timothy has proved himself because as a son with the father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Is there anybody here that wants to work with me in the work of the gospel? Is there anybody in your life groups that want to work with you in the work of the gospel? And then lastly, how important is the gospel? 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says, He will punish those who do not know and obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. How will they be punished? They will be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his saints and his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on, give it up for Jesus. It's not about a preacher. Are you headed on the right destination? Band, altar workers, come please. We're going to close out today. With a simple altar call, here it is. If you don't have the gospel, we're going to want to pray with you at the front here today so you can be saved. And if you want to have the power to preach the gospel, we're going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Amen? I will not keep you much longer than this. I'm going to simply do this. Pray and dismiss you, and the band will sing. That's it for today. But if you today do not know Jesus Christ personally, come forward and receive prayer receive the gospel. And then once again, if you do not have the power of the gospel, which is a spirit baptism of speaking in other tongues, Acts 1.8 says it will come on you, and then you will be a powerful witness. Come to one of these prayer workers. Are you ready? Amen. So it's either one of two things. You're either going to come here or you're going to go out there with the gospel. We don't want anyone leaving today without it. Jesus, thank you for today's service. We pray that everyone will do the right thing now as they move into this next part of the service. Some may have to go. We pray you bless them. Those that stay and are compelled to pray, I pray that you will move in their hearts. May we never be the same again. May our destination be what you said it is, being disciples that make disciples with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, can you give it up for the Lord? Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Come forward to pray, or we'll see you at Life Groups. Have a wonderful week. Your will be done.
Thank you, Lord. God bless those who have to go. Have a wonderful week. Those that need to come pray, would you do so now? God is able to set you on fire. For your kingdom come. Your will be done. who are praying just receive it today receive the gospel receive the power of the gospel today thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus 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 thank you Lord Come on, Jesus, fill us up. Fill us up with that gospel. Fill us up with the gospel. Those who are receiving power, begin to speak in other tongues. We receive, we receive. Even the prayer workers, come on, just lift up your voices. Prayer workers, right now, come on, start speaking in other tongues. The power of heaven. The power of heaven. The power of the Lord. There is power, wonder-working power, wonder-working power. We're going to keep praying, but we're going to get ready to dismiss the band. Those of you who are up here, don't be in a hurry. The gospel power will be with you. The Lord will meet every one of your needs. He will set your life on fire. In Jesus' name, amen.